This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Um, welcome. If you're new here, if you're always here, we appreciate you. Uh, this will be our Civilized Barking Live post-game chat, which we do after every game. It's about an hour and 20 or so, um, even though the game was over at about 1.20. Um, it's about an hour and 20 minutes after it officially wrapped. 27-0, the Browns' first shutout since 2007, a game that was played in a foot of snow. Um you know, good all around. So um, go ahead and chime in, type in. If you want to talk um, and, and it works out later, you can go in the queue and we'll get to you here. So um, we'll make this interactive, but it'll mostly be me and Jason talking about what we saw, talking about what we heard post game as the interviews wrapped up about 10 minutes ago. Um, and then the Browns are on to Baltimore. So they will play for a um, share of first place, right? And, and on November 12th, it really doesn't matter you know, where you are and what the tiebreakers are. But if you don't win that game, then you don't win any tiebreakers with the Ravens. And if you don't win that game, well, we'll see. Let's let's focus on this one. So, Jason, let's let's go ahead and get rolling here um, on this. Look, with the exception of the Jedwell's injury, which looks to be really bad, um, everything's good, right? The defense, completely dominant, eye-popping numbers. Um, it almost feels like, you know, Arizona really was that bad, but still, they just took the life out of them. They turned them over. They dominated. Um, the offense. You know, not pretty, but they're finding an identity with running it and with mixing and matching, maximizing the pieces they do have. And then the quarterback, after a really bad start, uh, had a really strong finish. So, you know, as we go, we'll get more into um, what's promising, what's discouraging, what's really glaring in, in terms of the little stuff. But right now, it's all positive. The Browns had a game they should have dominated today, and they did, and they get to five and three. Yeah, I'm going to write later about just how sort of Zach, you and I were talking about it during the game, and I was talking to some of the players about it after the game. This is this is who they are offensively for the rest of the year. This is what it's going to look like. And it's not pretty, and it's not always effective, but it's what they have because of injuries. They've now lost both of their starting tackles and Nick Chubb, and Deshaun's shoulder is still hamburger helper. And he looked better in the second half. First half, first couple drives, you and I were looking at each other like he can't throw the ball past five yards. What what is he doing out there? And then he cut one loose to Amari, uh, the fifty nine yarder on I think it was the third drive, and thought, okay, that that looks real. And you know the two minute drive I think at the end of the half was big for him. He got hit a couple times, sort of woke him up a little bit, and he did look better in the second half. I, I still think this is something that's going to hang over them the rest of the year, and it's something they're going to have to be aware of and monitor. He said he's not 100%. I don't think he's going to be 100%. And it's 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 multiple linemen, multiple tight ends. Ugly it up and take your shots on third down and don't turn the ball over. And that's basically the formula that they're going to have to roll with, I think, for the rest of the season. And it's not certainly what we expected this offense to look like in August, but it's just sort of the reality of where they're at because of injuries and, and the personnel that's left. And they're kind of running out of linemen. It's, it's becoming a big deal. Dewan went down temporarily, came back, uh, but they've now lost both starting tackles, and uh, it's it's concerning, I think, to say the least. Yeah, no doubt it is. Um, let's start with the quarterback. You know, I think if it, initially you say, okay, without really refining it, certainly not an A-plus, but an A, and a big sigh of relief, right? Um, he succeeded. He failed. He didn't get hurt again. He finished the game. He ran a little bit. He created. There was one wild throw. 
uh, when it looked like he wasn't going to let it rip at all. And he certainly wasn't even looking to do that um, throw anything but short early. You know, it, it started to go. He needed to settle in. Uh, we've been saying since this happened at the end of September, the most disappointing thing is he finally played a good game and his offense needs reps. It's not going to get timing. It's not going to open up new avenues unless they get to play. So um, I see concerning things, mostly that the pass game is still just Amari Cooper. I see promising things, mostly that he knows to go to Amari Cooper. Mostly that he, he let it loose, you know, when the time came. So a successful day all around, and, and I think you have to feel better about the offense. So, again, we're going to watch the shoulder. Um, but two things. One, it doesn't feel like we're going to spend the whole week wondering if he's going to actually play or not, right? Wondering why in practice he's missing guys by five yards, ball on the ground, all that. It looks like he's going to get the full week to prepare and go forward. And then two, <clears throat> for all the arguing about what is, what hasn't been, whatever, it's going to be judged on not how it was handled, but how he goes from here. And next week, he gets a chance to go to Baltimore. And if he's the Deshaun Watson the Browns need him to be, then there's your chance for a statement and a chance to put this thing on turbo and play for first place. And if he's not, he's not, right? So um, really, in a sense, what more can you ask for? you, You take the success of today. You take the up and down nature of it. You try to build on it. I'm sure James Hudson's going to be the left tackle, right? You're using all the running backs. And um, you see where you can go to more consistently get guys involved. I mean, nobody guards Njoku down here at the end, right? But um, other than that, you you need to get more guys involved. You need your playmakers. But I think there were certainly, even outside of the one to Amari that's down the sideline right on the money, I think there were two or three signs of of positivity for the pass offense. Uh, Defensively, that was something. I joked I thought that was Ohio State versus Youngstown State for a while. Uh, Clayton Toon was not ready (laughs) for an NFL game. The Cardinals had 17 passing yards, net passing yards. When you take out the sacks, they had no chance. Uh, we were joking. The His average depth of target was in the negative after two or three drives. I've never seen that before. And the win probability for the Browns was 93% when it was three to nothing. And <laughs> I've never known. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. But the Cardinals were completely overmatched, outclassed. Uh, well, let me tell you this. As soon as we woke up today and it wasn't snowing and there weren't 30-mile-an-hour winds, the Browns' win probability was 192%. <laughs> okay. So, you know, does that – I mean, certainly it wasn't very good visually outside of five or six plays, right? But, like, the defense took the chance to dominate and did. And the, the one play of the strip sack where Shelby Harris gets it and Miles uh, – Recovers it is, is the most glaring example. But again, you're seeing and, and hearing from guys say, hey, I'm closing in on a guy. I think I'm about to make this play. And one of my teammates gets there first. Yeah. Right. That's this defense. They play one way. They play uphill or, you know, straight downhill. They attack you. Right. And and when it's good, it looks like there's 15 guys on the field. Not to Clayton Tune, it looked like there was 115 guys. on the field. <laughs> <laughs> And Arizona did not come here to win. Arizona came here to survive. You know, when they haven't had their starting running back, they haven't had the guy that's played as their starting running back since he went out. And they traded their starting quarterback the other day. They didn't want to bring back Kyler, uh, who I almost called him their franchise, but I don't think he is. I think they'll end up trading him. But anyway, you know, they, they were going to lay down and get beat today, and they did. 58 yards is 58 yards. I don't care who's out there. It's still an NFL team, right? And, and one thing I'm going to write about, too, is – you hear guys talk about the standard, and Schwartz challenged them and said, we've gotten away. 
we set a pretty good standard. In the past, there was no standard here, right? It was sit around and wait for Miles to make a play. You know, it was get gashed in huge moments. And so um, they're going to have to prove sometime, maybe next week, that they can get that big stop under two minutes, Jason. But they got back to it. And, and even though the Ravens are damn good and they're clicking and the metrics are going to show that they're the NFL's best team, and I probably wouldn't disagree with that. You know, they, there's no trophies here in the first week in November. And when the Ravens get back to work, they're going to look at the Browns and say, we got to be careful here because there's it's not just 95. It's other guys that can make a play that can shift this whole thing in one, one second. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about really all year long or very spent very little time on is special teams and, and specifically punt returns. Do you think the Browns found a punt returner? Um, yeah, credit to James Prochet, right, who wasn't even on the team, had never been in a practice with this team and hadn't been in any practice since training camp, came in and did that. So, yes, I see in the chat, guys, they beat the Cowboys. I know. That was Josh Dobbs. That was in September. They've lost six in a row now. This this was a putrid product. This was 2017 Browns level team they put out there today with a fifth round rookie. I know they beat the Cowboys. I can watch the games too. Um, <laughs> no, like that. That's the thing. Now they did get back to back special teams penalties, and they're not. That, that's going to be an issue. But like just little things like this, the punters kicking the snot out of the ball, right? guy that can be a competent punt returner at least for one game. You know, uh, had a chance to strangle a team and did. All the running backs. I'm not sure I would have been using Jerome Ford there at the end. I think they got away with it. So, um, look, it doesn't matter if everybody in the building knows on third and one that Kareem Hunt's getting the ball and Wyatt Teller's pulling around from the right side to the left until somebody stops it. And nobody stopped it. Kareem says he'll always get that yard. He always gets that yard. You know, now they're going to have to shuffle this this Nick Harris thing because Hudson had been playing as the extra tackle, right? And teams have seen it now. But so much of it is what works for you. That works for this team to an extent, right? What they're doing on defense works. And to their credit, they looked last year and said, we have the worst defensive tackle group in the league. And that wasn't Joe Wood's fault. But they got a new coordinator. They upgraded the tackle group. And you don't pitch a shutout today without Shelby Harris, without Jordan Elliott, without Mo Hurst. So, Credit to them. You concerned all about the running game because everyone keeps saying like the Browns' running game just keeps rolling right, right along, and and I just I don't see it. If you look at the numbers by the running back running back average, they're in the lower half of the league in yards per carry since Nick went down. Running backs today average less than three yards a carry. If you take out the Sean's numbers, just the running backs alone. Yeah. Any any concern over Pierre Strong and Jerome Ford and being able to carry this the rest of the way? Yeah, um, no doubt. But I think they have a good mix. And I think that as they get back to trusting the quarterback and having a vision for what they at least want the offense to be outside of eight offensive linemen in the game, Peter Strong, get more comfortable as he's come along. And look, as long as you can keep Kareem healthy, you know what he can do. And it might only be eight, and it's going to be max 12 or 14 carries. But he's going to get that yard. He's going to take on tacklers and be that physical. And, you know, with this offense, Jason, I, it, it, it would take a foot of snow to win a playoff game. But the clock's changed. Weather was incredible today, but that, that's it. right? We're, the weather's going to get – this team is kind of built for, for what's ahead. So, you know, um, we'll see. And, and it does come down to any kind of ceiling this team has comes down to the quarterback in the past game and the offense get going. But, you know, they've um, – they've, 
they, they don't want like like I said, you you grade today in A, and and on Sunday night, I don't know that you nitpick, I, I don't even think the coaches nitpick it. I think they go pop a drink, right? They start nitpicking it on Monday, right? Um, you you know you glean some stuff from the last Ravens game because you know them so well, and you know they they shredded you, right? But you did start with with three three and outs, and then obviously the circumstances of the game where where the offense couldn't get anything going and it just handed it to them, but like. There's enough veteran guys on this defense, and you have Miles and Denzel playing out of this world. Guys, I didn't forget Dalvin Tomlinson. He's been awesome. It was nice to see him get some stats today because he's been so good at stuff that, that usually doesn't show up there. You know, for the first time, they they hit on a free agent. Like, their big money free agent is balling. <laughs> Unquestioned, right? So, um, yeah, so, like, you've you got to feel, like I said, it's going to take a better offensive effort. It's going to take a better defensive effort. But like when you look at these next two games, you got to get at least one of them. Right. And you've got to get the Steelers one probably, because I'm not sure how realistic the division is until I see much better. But I think you look at the overall health, the overall way the defense has responded to most challenges, because even after Seattle kicked their butts early, they, they answered right back. Right. Like, I think you feel good. I, I think the Browns feel like, they're going to go in there and not do something completely stupid or lose on some fluky, um, low IQ, bad coaching type of play. Like the Ravens might beat them, right? But I feel like they're going to feel like man for man, they're going to give themselves a chance when they go in there next Sunday. Yeah. Uh, let's bring Connor up. Let's do what Connor has to say. I think I did that right. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Connor? Um, So I felt like the main reason they traded DPJ last week was just to open up more snaps for for the other players. Do you think we learned anything today from who got those snaps? No, because today you were just staying afloat and then just kind of working on things. And it is is a big deal that you got that. The total plays was, um, what was it here? 70-something to 40-something, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, 71 to 48 in total play. And I saw him force the ball to Tillman at the end. So that's good. They're trying to get his confidence up. But, you know, you brought in Elijah Moore, and he just doesn't scare anybody. Uh, Amari has been out of this world. And you're starting to see Njoku. I think, what is it, early in the second half, Jason is the one Watson just loses his footing, and Joku's wide open on that yep. one, too. They didn't yep. cover him at the goal line. But, no, look, you trade DPJ, it's strictly a business move. Uh, you hope – Later in the year, you don't you're not just looking for a guy, but you, he was a reliable guy. He made some big plays early in his career. He certainly didn't explode by anybody, and he was not a dangerous punt returner, but he was a reliable one. So, you know, I was kind of surprised that they did it because what I've seen from Cedric Tillman tells me that he's nowhere near ready to help you win. But also, I, I have seen enough to know that sometimes guys need those chances to do it. So, yeah, what you're asking as far as the big picture. Um, when the offense gets to run 71 plays, it benefits everybody. More importantly, like the quarterback and the play caller and all of that. But, you know, is there something to be said for Jordan Nakins makes a third down catch today? You know, they, they feed Njoku again. Uh, I don't know why they went to Elijah in the red zone, but they did. They're probably trying to get his confidence up, too. So, yeah, there's something to be said for that. And <laughs> we're not even to the halfway point here. So you're going to need playmakers. And like Kareem Hunt now leads the team in touchdowns. <clears throat> Wasn't on the team on September 20th, yeah. right? So, like, all heroes welcome is the way I look. Like <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Was um was David Bell a healthy scratcher? Do you think he would also be the beneficiary of that? 
No, I, I mean, he, he was not a healthy scratch. He was hurt. Okay. Uh, no, you're not drawing up any plays for David Bell. Now, you would you do not beat the Niners without David Bell. Let me be very clear about that. He catches that fourth down ball, yeah. and he makes a double-team block on the touchdown run. But, no, you're not trying to get David Bell involved at all. <laughs> so Thanks, Connor. Yep, thank you. Uh, let's take Daniel. Daniel, you up there? You got to let him in. I got him. Go ahead, Daniel, if you're there. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Good. Uh, a couple things. Um, one, I think Denzel Ward is playing at an all pro level. So I just wanted to say that. Um, and then two, our, our special teams look great. Bjork has, I've never seen a punter in Cleveland do what he's doing. So that's crazy. And my last question for you guys if the trade deadline was this Tuesday instead of last Tuesday with Wills and quarterback injuries, what moves do you think the team would make? Uh, it's funny you ask that because we talked about it. I, I don't know what would be available at offensive tackle or what the price would be. And, you know, the Browns had kind of chosen their lot with extending Conklin and picking up the guaranteed option for next year on Wills. I, I don't think they had any choice but to pick that up, really. Um, so now you now you hope that he, obviously, even outside of the contract, you hope that he doesn't have a major, major injury. But if he has a year-long injury, you're, you're really in trouble. Um, Look, James Hudson has had as halfway through his third season, and he has not been great. But he was always a developmental guy, and when they drafted him, he had essentially played one year of college football on the offensive side of the ball. So he's played both. He played both sides just today. He's played. Uh, he played left tackle in twenty one as a rookie. It didn't go great, but he stood there and battled for games. He knows the offense. The reason the Browns pay Bill Callahan what they pay him is to take these guys and develop them. So. DeWine has been ahead of schedule. They have Alex Leatherwood, a former first-round bust, on the practice squad. They signed a guy named Leroy Watson um, off of the Niners practice squad last week, and they brought in Jerron Christian, a guy who's been a bad backup tackle in the league before. They got him on the practice squad, and they're going to teach those guys the extra tight end spot. They're going to work those guys in practice um, in a handful of live reps to get them used to this offense in case they need them, and they're going to hope like hell that DeWine and Hudson can stay healthy. So it's an interesting, you know, kind of what if, what would they do? But tackle is one of those positions where everybody's looking for him all the time. And, you know, frankly, the James Hudson pick was about developing him and having depth. Um, they did trade away Tyrone Wheatley because they thought they could. I think it's a good trade. Pierre Strong's a heck of a football player, even if he's not you know, going to ever be a full-time offensive player. But, you know, you, you got to count on your guys at some point. And, and Dewan went in after one game. They said, okay, and now it's to James Hudson. So um, part of the reason you pay Batonio and Teller and put the trust that you have in them is because they've seen so much and played so many games. It can help those guys out, and you just got to go execute. So it's not ideal, obviously, to be in November and be at the midpoint of the season and be just starting in so many places offensively or, or constantly restarting, I guess. But it's what you got, and – you better hope like hell your tackles can hold up because the Super Bowl to me is in two weeks. This team beats the Steelers. This team makes the playoffs. This team doesn't beat Kenny Pickett and the Steelers at home. This team does not deserve to go to the playoffs. Yeah. To beat the Steelers, you're going to need your tackles. So we'll see how that goes then. Jed, I, it's judging by the reaction of the guys in the locker room, that's a season ender. I, I heard MCL. That's by no means official. Uh, that was one of, the, one of the guys in the locker room said he thought it was MCL. 
but by no means is that the official injury. But yeah, it, it, did, it did look season ending. Yeah, I I don't want to speculate. It looked bad. I look, but you know, everybody saw. I don't know what they showed on TV. It it looked bad in person. Um, and and someone who was in the crowd not far from where I was said it looked bad to him too. But I I don't know. So one of those we'll find out on Monday. I mean, he got carted off the field. He had to get carted out of the stadium. He was in the big brace, the air cast right away, and the big brace about 45 minutes after the game. So certainly going to be a little bit of time on Jed Wills, and you just don't know you know, from there. So uh, one of the things they like about Njoku is he blocks his ass off. Yeah. And one of the things they like about Harrison Bryant is he blocks his ass off. So not that those guys are offensive tackles, right? But Jason, I'm interested to see what you read, and let's talk about it for a minute now. Like, it's not ideal to have to do this to turn your backup center into a fullback and your backup tackles into tight ends and to play Kareem Hunt in the role that he's playing. But, like, credit to Stefanski and to Kareem and to the offensive linemen, both the starters and the guys that come in and play these roles for doing it because the shit you want to do isn't working. That's right. So you make it work and, and you make teams adjust to it. Yeah, I wrote this week. I thought this was – I know people lost their minds over the past on 33 last week, but I thought this has been Kevin's best job coaching this team with all the injuries that they've had. you got to get creative. you got to get in the mud sometimes, and you got to win ugly. And I think we're going to see a lot of that over the second half. If the, if the Browns are going to hang in this playoff race, if they're going to play beyond January, beyond the first week in January, they're going to have to win ugly, and they're going to have to get ugly offensively. And it's it's just it's just the reality where they're at the the wide open offense the RPOs the you know all that stuff at least for now I think has been shelved and it's just survive don't turn the ball over survive punt and play defense try and get a short field or two take advantage of it when you can take a deep shot on third down when it's there and it's not sexy it's not fun football always but it's their best path right now to to success yeah I agree and let's start to wrap it up with this. Like, look, back in May when we thought we'd see a wide-open offense and you knew the defense would be better, but you didn't really know how it would come together and who would step up and if it would be great. You certainly didn't expect this good, right? Right. Um, even if you expected better, which I did. You know, back at that time, guys, I looked at the schedule and I thought, well, at Seattle is not a win. It's across the country in a loud stadium on a back-to-back road game. And I thought, well, at Baltimore is not a win because Baltimore is really, really good and it's a hell of a tough place to play. And it's, you know, I just I just think Baltimore's franchise is really good. And I think Lamar's really good. And, I, and the Browns have won there. I mean, shit, they rolled in there with Charles Frederick Kitchens as their coach. <laughs> but it's just not something that happens, right? So um, in terms of being five and three after eight, that's success. In terms of being adaptable, I think they've done it. You know, I think they've built themselves a good defense. I think they've made some little moves to help them. You just try to be as prepared as possible. Uh, and again, with this whole Watson saga, uh, you know, it, it, let's not fast forward to the end, even though I, I still have a strong feeling I, 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 about about it. But it's part of being adaptable. What really doesn't matter who said what or who was cleared what or the timing of things they want you to believe that we we know absolutely aren't true. Right. What matters is how he plays. And how he and the play caller and the tight ends and the third tackles that they have to use get on the same page and find a way. And directly ahead is eight really important quarters of football for this team, for the trajectory of the franchise and this trade. 
for people's job statuses, for the standings, for everything. So take what you saw today. Uh, try to accentuate the good. Correct some of the bad. Hope that he holds on to it. Hope that he stays healthy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think that's all I got. I mean, you know, 58 yards is wow. The Cardinals are wow back. But 58 yards is 58 yards. (laughs) Because I remember sitting in this very seat. Yeah. So... Uh, two like question one. I, so I I'm a Bearcats fan. I, I watched James Hudson play in college. I don't have a whole lot of hope that he can hold a block for more than a few seconds. Do you think Deshaun's ability to navigate that and create outside the pocket kind of negates it a little bit? Because I'm not super worried about that aspect of it. Um, it, it can, and and that's part of the thing of of Deshaun needing the reps and needing the timing. Like for these guys and these pass plays and these pass protections, it's totally different with him than it is in the standard drop back offense. So yeah. That that's part of it. Um, again, sometimes like with a rookie, you don't know what you're going to get. They know James Hudson's strengths and weaknesses, and to a point, they can coach around it. And like, yes, if I if and when this offense does hit another gear, it is going to be Deshaun leaving the pocket and making plays and improvising. And so, you know, today was the day to protect yourself, and was the day to kind of feel your way through. And I think he did both of those things. But over these next two games and over these next nine games, there's going to be big moments end of halves, end of games where you know he's going to have to let it rip and he's going to have to create and they're either going to deliver in those moments or they're not. So we'll see. And so, I mean, something you said earlier kind of resonated with me. You said if, if we beat the Steelers and we're going to the playoffs, I, I agree with you. And I think if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have taken that and ran with it. So I'm happy, man. I go Browns. Hopefully we can pull one out next week. Yeah. So, Jason, I, I remember sitting in this very seat staring at this similar stat sheet going, I cannot believe I just watched an NFL team get held at 94 yards after the Titans came. Yep. <laughs> and now 58. So, kudos to that defense. Uh, it feels like these guys on this defensive line really like each other. It feels like today 
bust their asses every single game and want to do it. And it feels like, you know, the Browns not only putting the right people on the other side of miles to free him up, but bringing back Anthony Walker, uh, bringing in Rodney. It felt like that they said, hey, we, there's some things we got to do to make this really work. You know, we're only at the halfway point. And again, the, the, the two big tests are directly ahead. But the defense should feel good about itself. And uh, I go back to that first first locker room, Jason. It, they, they kill the Bengals. And Jim Schwartz comes trotting through, walking like he's Conor McGregor. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if he can bring that Conor McGregor week and they can bring that Conor McGregor effort next week in Baltimore, then everything changes and the Browns have arrived. So we'll see you in exactly seven days from this moment. Talk to you guys then.